Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hello, my name is Joshua Royce. I'm a thoracic medical oncologist and assistant professor of medicine at Georgetown Lombardi Cancer Center and Georgetown University School of Medicine. And in today's dis- in today's session, we are going to discuss implementing current guidelines and best practices for monitoring and mitigating immune-related adverse events. So to begin with two parallel cases, on the left, we have Mr. N. This is a 74-year-old male with a history of chronic atrial fibrillation on apixaban who is receiving adjuvant anti-PD-1 immunotherapy in sequence following adjuvant chemotherapy for a resected stage 2B non-small cell lung cancer. He presents for cycle 5 of therapy without complaints, but CT imaging reveals new nonspecific ground glass opacities of the right middle lobe. In clinic, his vital signs are stable, but he reports a subtle change in dyspnea on exertion over the past few weeks. What is your recommended approach here? On the right, we have a different case. This is a 77-year-old female with a history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, and type 2 diabetes, who is currently receiving maintenance therapy with pemetrexid pembrolizumab for stage 4 non-small cell lung cancer with excellent response. She presents to clinic for an unscheduled visit for dyspnea nine days after receiving her eighth cycle of maintenance uh, pembrolizumab. She reports one week of worsening dyspnea and can only walk five feet before needing a break. She also reports worsening dry cough. She denies fevers or substernal chest pain. In clinic, she desaturates from 96% to 91% on room air when ambulating five feet, and this is associated with dyspnea. So immune-related adverse events associated with immune checkpoint blockade, this is a novel type of adverse event associated with immunotherapy. And when I describe this to my patients, I say that really the uh, immunotherapy works by activating the immune system to fight cancer, but sometimes the immune system can get a little too jazzed up and go after normal areas of the body and cause inflammation there. And so that's what's shown on the left side of the screen here, where you can have inflammation in almost any area of the body, ranging from rash, uh, dermatitis to pneumonitis, inflammation in the lungs, uh, colitis, inflammation in the gut to some of the more really scary adverse events such as myocarditis, inflammation in the heart, or a meningitis or encephalitis picture uh, in the brain. Uh, And in terms of the mechanism of how uh, immunotherapy-related adverse events occur, there are really multiple proposed mechanisms ranging from pre-existing autoantibodies, increased T-cell activity, um, as well as complement-mediated inflammation as well. So immunotherapy toxicity management, there are really multiple key pillars here. Um, We really don't know the best ways to prevent immunotherapy-related side effects, but definitely anticipation and monitoring is incredibly important because you want to detect these adverse events early so that optimal treatment uh, can be implemented before we get to a high-grade, more serious scenario. Importantly, the timing of these immune-related adverse events is quite heterogeneous. Uh, you could see here for pd one monotherapy, PD-1 monotherapy on the top, uh, the, the range of when these adverse events tends to occur varies from, uh, you know, so just a couple weeks uh, after initiation of therapy to up, o- up over a year, um, both for all grade and for high grade uh, adverse events. And, and you could see the timing also differs somewhat uh, with the combination of a PD-1 
plus CTLA-4 inhibitor, uh, as well as the frequency of these adverse events. Though it is important to note that immune-related adverse events can really occur at any time after the initiation or cessation of immunotherapy. So one has to really be on high alert in terms of, of, of being aware and, and anticipating the, the emergence of such a toxicity. Here's just further slide illustrating the timing of onset and resolution of, of immune-related adverse events for both PD-1 monotherapy and combination therapy. And you can see that the, the uh, incidence uh, of adverse events involving the GI uh, and hepatic uh, systems really appears to increase uh, with the addition of a CTLA-4 inhibitor. Shown another way, this is the frequency of immune-related adverse events from the Poseidon study of dervalumab plus tremolimumab in chemotherapy compared to dervalumab plus chemotherapy alone. And you could really see on this tornado plot where there is increased uh, frequency and intensity primarily of uh, the GI-related toxicities, though increased severity of other adverse events such as pneumonitis uh, and renal toxicity has also been observed. So the workup of immune-related adverse events and management is incredibly complex and requires multidisciplinary input. Workup should be organ-dependent and, of course, requires an assessment of other common etiologies. So with pneumonitis, you have to look for infection, uh, or is this disease progression? These are important considerations. Importantly, these can occur days to years after immunotherapy initiation and cessation, and so we need to be on high alert uh, for the manifestation of these toxicities. Fatal toxicities, when they occur, tend to happen early after immunotherapy initiation. Uh, and most common, so PD-1 monotherapy, pneumonitis, hepatitis, and neurotoxicity, and for the combination, uh, colitis and myocarditis can be seen. The initial management tends to be similar across immune-related adverse events, typically with uh, prednisone or methylprednisolone, one to two milligrams per kilogram. But in the setting of steroid refractory adverse events, that's where you start to get some variability depending on the organ system that's involved. Uh, and importantly, a case-by-case -case decisions should be utilized when considering resumption of immunotherapy that should take into account uh, side effect severity, disease status, prognosis, and patient provider preference. Uh, but I cannot stress enough the importance of multidisciplinary input and really utilizing those subspecialties uh, to the best of your ability. This is just another slide outlining the management uh, of immune-related adverse events and showing how for low-grade symptomatic management and with ongoing immunotherapy is, is usually acceptable. But when you get to grade two to grade three, that's when uh, stopping therapy and, and initiating oral steroids or if hospitalization is required, IV steroids and then uh, involving subspecialty management for these really complex workup uh, and treatment decision-making. So when can you resume immunotherapy after resolution of an immune-related adverse event? Uh, I, I think this is all retrospective data here, and this should definitely be a patient and provider uh, guided decision. Uh, you can see here on the right some data on the recurrence rate for immune-related adverse events uh, after resumption of immunotherapy, which on the whole probably occur at a rate of 20 to 30 percent. Uh, but there should be very important considerations here, including the type of immune-related adverse event. You're probably more likely to resume immunotherapy for um, a low-grade pneumonitis or thyroiditis as opposed to uh, myocarditis, for example the severity of immune-related adverse event, what's the setting of therapy? Is this adjuvant or is this someone with metastatic disease? What is their treatment response? What are their comorbidities and what are their goals? Importantly, we know that those 
uh, who experience immune-related side effects may have uh, more pronounced benefit. Uh, this is a pooled analysis from several of the EMPOWER studies showing how those who developed immune-related adverse events, both importantly in the uh, immunotherapy-containing arm, but also in the control arm, uh, appeared to have improved uh, survival. And we've seen that this benefit can be durable and outlast even um, in the setting of uh, cessation of immunotherapy for side effects. So this could at least give providers and patients um, some degree of reassurance if they need to stop immunotherapy for a side effect, that those benefits may outlast uh, the duration of the therapy. So to revisit our cases, first on the left, our case of a patient where uh, CT findings uh, were appreciated potentially for low-grade pneumonitis, uh, though maybe with some subtle change in dyspnea. So for this patient, uh, in the setting of possible worsening dyspnea, grade one or grade two, immunotherapy was held for a week for a pulmonology evaluation. PFTs and a six-minute walk test were without significant changes from baseline, and the patient was subsequently resumed with immunotherapy without worsening of symptoms. On the right, this was obviously a much different scenario, a high-grade toxicity with exertional epoxia, so at least a grade three adverse event. Uh, This patient was hospitalized for further workup, and while a CTPA was negative uh, for PE, there was worsening diffuse ground glass opacities throughout all five lobes of the lung. Cardiac workup was negative without EKG changes. There was no BNP or troponin elevation. Infectious workup was negative. This patient was started on IV methylprednisolone with rapid improvement. She was discharged on prednisone taper and not resumed with immunotherapy. So briefly, I want to touch on one additional case for an important immune-related adverse event. This is a 67-year-old gentleman with a history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, type 2 diabetes, who started adjuvant atezolizumab after receiving four cycles of adjuvant platinum-based chemotherapy for a resected stage 2B non-small cell lung cancer. Two weeks after receiving the initial dose of atezolizumab, this patient presented with worsening fatigue, shortness of breath, and tachycardia with a heart rate of 145. But his vital signs were otherwise stable, but labs showed a new AKI, low-grade anemia, thrombocytopenia, and transaminitis. He was directed to the ER for workup, uh, where, where EKG showed tachycardia with an incomplete right bundle branch block. CTPA was negative for PE, pneumonitis, troponin, and BNP were within normal limits. The patient was hospitalized, and importantly, a TTE showed a new drop in ejection fraction to 25 to 30% with a severe global hypokinesis. Cardiac MRI revealed patchy myocardial inflammation diffusely involving the left ventricular myocardium without evidence of pericardial inflammation. Left and right heart catheterization with endomyocardial biopsy revealed stable three-vessel coronary artery disease, and the biopsy showed lymphohistiocytic infiltration consistent with myocarditis. So MACE or major adverse cardiac events with immunotherapy are important and I think under-recognized side effect of immunotherapy. In pooled clinical trial data, ICI-related MACE occurs at about 0.6%, but the majority are high-grade. The incidence is higher with PD-1 combination strategies compared to single agent, and this can importantly present not only with myocarditis, but as a triad with myositis and myasthenia. So very severe and potentially life-threatening toxicities that warrant immediate management. And so how do we tend to manage these patients? So first and foremost, discontinuing immunotherapy. High dose steroids, and depending on the grade, one can sometimes get away with one to two milligrams per kilogram of IV methylprednisolone, though typically initially one will start one gram per day of IV methylprednisolone while um, 
if uh, a mace uh, high-grade myocarditis is on the differential, you definitely would rather start. Um, and then the workup is important, right? You need to look for an MI, um, potentially with uh, cardiac catheterization. Cardiac MRI is important as well. But if myocarditis is ultimately suspected as the likely diagnosis, um, oftentimes, uh, if there is no improvement on steroids, one does need to consider additional therapies such as mycophenolate, IVIG, or, or other treatments. And, and involving cardiology is super important here. So back to this patient, he was actually fortunate to have a relatively early grade myocarditis without significant symptoms. Um, he was started initially on an empiric one gram per day of methylprednisolone with close consultation with cardiology. Um, and following the cardiac MRI results, given stability, he was transitioned to one mg per kg BID of methylprednisolone and ultimately transitioned to one mg per kg per day methylprednisolone and prednisone taper. His cardiac function ultimately returned to baseline and importantly, atezolizumab was permanently discontinued. So in summary, immune-related adverse events can affect any organ system and any time after administration of immunotherapy. Close surveillance for the, for the emergence of immune-related adverse events is important in order to institute prompt management. Uh, severe and complicated immune-related adverse events do truly warrant multidisciplinary input. This is critical to optimal management of patients. And a decision as to whether or not to resume immunotherapy after an adverse event is complex and factors that should be taken into account include severity of the toxicity, clinical benefit of therapy, the setting of therapy, so meta metastatic versus neoadjuvant or adjuvant, patient comorbidities, and then patient provider preference. And so with that, I want to thank everyone for their attention. Uh, and with that, we'll conclude this session. Thank you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.